I kind of had a choice at that point, not just being patient with the process, but being grateful with the process. And I'm like, mm, man, I went to my dad straight after the game. I'm like, yo, like this shit can't happen anymore, man. I always find the, always try to take the good out of any negative situation. You know, I have players coming in, Xavier, and they'd be like, um, you know, I played so bad. You know, sometimes I'd, I'd be like, hey, bro, hey, I don't know, we, we can't do nothing about that. I can tell you what we can do, we can get some work in right now. Like, if you're not doing plyometrics, you're losing out on a lot of potential for performance. Um, my dad had these tapes of the Laker games. Got to a point where I, I said, you know, I want to play basketball. And I just always wanted to make sure I had the edge over people. It became a part of me, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to get to be better than me. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is the only 24-7 wearable technology that measures the everyday stressors both inside and outside of work and training. Whoop measures the physiological data related to sleep, including the quality, duration, and consistency of sleep, strain, which is the internal load from external stress, and recovery, which is the readiness to perform. Whoop uses these three key metrics to call out areas for improvements and reinforce positive habits. If you're looking to join the team, use my discount code BBALL at checkout, or just click the link in my description to get a free 30-day trial with Whoop. Come join the team. Let's level up together. Welcome back to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I know it's been a while. I haven't been producing as much content for the podcast, but... I'm finally able to sit down, start getting more content, uh, especially because a lot of my listeners actually have ideas and topics they want to hear about for me. Uh, I just haven't really had the time to sit down, doing a lot more work within the lab, working with Devin, uh, working with their team, just trying to put out more content and things like that. But it feels good to finally sit down, really be able to sit in front of a mic again and record and talk about some things that I get a lot of questions about. So today's topic is going to be jumper's knee, which, by the way, in case you haven't been following or you guys haven't uh, tapped into it, I do have a brand new Jumpers Knee program available. Uh, it is built through the In The Lab Academy, but anyone that's not part of the academy can still go ahead and purchase the actual program. Uh, it's three months of one uh, rehab, prehab for those who may be going through patellar tendinopathy, aka Jumpers Knee, or for those that may want to make sure they just don't get it in the first place. Again, three months worth of videos, I talk you through the actual schedule. I give you exercises. I talk about why it's important while we're doing the exercises. So all you have to do is just watch the videos, do the exercises. If you do not have some of the equipment, uh, this is actually for those that actually have access to more dumbbells. We do have a couple things in there where we can switch it out and have some some substitutions. But it is a three-month program, volume one. I'm definitely going to go back and continue to add and make sure I improve that program. But First one ever that I ever put out, first online program. Again, I'll put the link in the description, but it is through In The Lab, through Devin Williams, the part of the academy. You do not have to be a member to purchase the actual program, but why not? Why not join, learn from one of the best skills trainers in the game, and then also get the opportunity to work with me as well. I think it's a win for everybody. But getting back in today's topic, what is Jumper's Knee? First question, how does it affect us? Who does it affect? And then three, how do we take care of it? Three keys to that. We'll go through the whole thing. Today's going to be a shorter episode, but let's go ahead and dive in. So first question is, what is jumper's knee? Uh, I get a, a lot of 
I don't say questions, but a lot of people that have knee pain, especially basketball players, were saying, hey, like I'm dealing with this knee pain. I don't really know what it is. A lot of people, a lot of uh, doctors will actually diagnose and say it's inflammation, right? So tendonitis. So one, first off the bat, I want to make sure that I put in that there are a lot more um, tendinopathy, more, a lot more disorders, a lot more injuries that come with the knee. So it's not always just inflammation. I just got to say that right off the bat. If someone jumps out and jumps the gun and tells you that it is tendonitis, that means one, that there's inflammation in the tendon and two, you need to rest it. The problem with this is that when it comes to resting tendons, one, we're losing strength because tendon actually needs load in order to maintain its size, its structure, and its strength. And then two, nothing changes, right? So if you have a weak tendon that is overused commonly with basketball players, especially with the jumping landing, and then you rest it and it's not inflamed, not only are you getting weaker, but then you're also not addressing the actual problem. So first off the bat, I gotta make sure, make sure it is tendonitis, all right? Because tendinopathy is more of a term we use to make sure that we're talking about an actual injury when it comes to like the knee and the tendon. So when it comes to jumper's knee, it is an overused injury caused by frequent jumping and cutting. Uh, again, this does not mean inflammation. This could be from just playing a lot of basketball, especially on the actual concrete asphalt. Uh, that's a lot more high impact, so that's definitely going to irritate the knee. This is commonly seen, uh, especially in elite jumpers, especially elite young men, the basketball players uh, that have not really had the actual experience strength training. So what happens is they're constantly running, 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 jumping, landing, cutting. So it's a lot more impact, a lot more uh just tension and pain through their knees because they're not actually getting in the gym training to make sure that they're staying healthy in the long run. So tendon is a tough is a tough band. Basically connects muscle to bone where it's designed to transmit and withstand large amounts of load. So in sport, basically your tendons are rubber bands. You gotta make sure that they're stiff enough, but also compliant enough, so stretchy enough to whereas we can transmit the actual forces. So that way this helps us jump, this helps us run, uh, so again, tendon, just think of it as a small rubber band underneath your kneecap. It's connecting your quads to your shin. Cool? All right. When it comes to tendinopathy just under the kneecap, this is what I was talking about, patellar tendinopathy. So this is where we're going to get a couple different things going on. Anything above the kneecap is quadriceps tendinopathy. We can also have tendinopathy right below the kneecap. So for today's episode, we're talking about patellar tendinopathy. This means we have pain underneath the kneecap. So if you're going to touch your kneecap right now, a little tender to touch right underneath that, then we're on the right track. Patella tendinopathy, we can continue. Uh, if it's anything different, pain throughout the entire knee, uh, especially under weight bearing. So like if you're doing a goblet squat or a back squat and you feel that pain, that is not patella tendinopathy, right? That is patella femoral pain. That is completely different. So make sure, one, you diagnose the jumper's knee correctly the first time. The last thing you want to do is listen to this whole podcast, realize you don't have that, and you're kind of just uh, spent 20 minutes listening to me ramble about this. So make sure it's jumpers need before we move on to anything else. Cool. So how does this affect us and who does it affect? Again, elite uh, jumpers, elite uh, young men, especially the basketball industry, uh, because you guys are constantly landing, cutting, jumping, uh, this is where it's going to affect you a lot more, especially for those that uh, our athletes that are like athletic, springy, because your game relies so heavily on athleticism, this is really going to affect you. A lot of players that I know that have bounce that are springy, 
typically they come to me because they rely on that so much in their game that they're constantly pounding, constantly uh, getting that exposure and constantly loading up that tendon. And a lot of times they're not really in the weight room. So again, got to make sure that we're loading. Yes, the tendon needs that, but we got to load it the right way and making sure that uh, we're not overusing and is playing strictly basketball and not getting in the weight room, not doing any type of strength training. So again, this is pain located right underneath the kneecap. Usually this pain warms up with activity. So as the speed of the activity increases, so does the pain, right? So typically with jumper's knee, you'll know in the morning, uh, this actually happened to me, but I had plantar fasciitis. Uh, in the mornings, usually it's when it feels pretty much the worst. Uh, when you wake up in the morning and you just feel stiff, right? Getting up, you may feel it, but as you kind of go throughout the day, uh, typically it starts to feel better. And then again, when it comes to the speed of activity, that's usually when the pain increases. So if you're walking around, you're having a great day, then you jump on the court, start to warm up, start to get layup lines, and you start uh, actually feeling it in the knee. Typically, that is what happens in jumper's knee. Again, typically occurs in young elite jumping men, um, especially in basketball. Again, we're cutting, planting, changing direction. Because the game is so reliant and is so quad dominant, you're really going to see this, especially in practice, especially game time. Um, to, depending on your pain tolerance, you could actually get away with this sometimes. But again, we want to make sure we're diagnosing it, understanding who it affects the most and how it's going to affect this. Okay, with all that information, how do we treat jumper's knee? So for me, there's a lot of information out there, different techniques and things. For me, I use three keys um, personally. Again, depends on your situation, depends on your experience, depends on what you have access to. But these are three keys I normally give to treating jumper's knee. One, first and foremost, you have to stop or decrease any activities that are causing the pain. So like I said again, Number one, we have to stop or decrease the activity that is causing the pain. A lot of athletes will come to me and say, hey, man, like I got blah, blah, blah. This is going on. The first thing I tell them is like, you got to cut back on that because, again, the tendon, specifically the patellar tendon, does need load in order to adapt and maintain its strength. The problem, which I just explained in the last point, is that as the speed begins to increase, so basketball, you start to warm up, you start to actually get loose and get going that is when the pain increases so we need the load right so we need the the, the actual uh loading planting and knee bend but we can't do it at the speed that basketball is being played at so again we have to stop or decrease activities that are causing pain again the speed is way too fast in, in basketball and sport in general right so we need the load patellar needs that but we have to decrease activities that means decreasing the speed I've had players that will come in and will literally spot shoot, and it's fine, right? They're still getting in their reps and things like that. But I had a player that, for instance, came to me and said, like, I, everything's fine until I start doing layups, right? Because he's jumping and landing. Um, so what we did was he was still skills trained, but it was way less intense. The speed was less intense while we continued to uh, work together. And then once we were able to be in a position where we were able to gradually start to increase that speed, he was a lot better in a lot better position. But again, Stop decrease activities. If you're playing AAU, if you're playing six days out the week, right, and you try to add in strength training to this, not, not much is going to change because, again, your activity levels are way too high. So, number two, train posteriorly. This is 
I don't want to say this is common sense, but uh, because basketball is a quad dominant sport, uh, because basketball players are quad dominant, uh, and because of the demands of the sport, a lot of a lot of the loads are going to go more anteriorly, so the front of your body. Whenever you cut, plant, uh, and you're trying to change directions, your quads uh, are going to take a lot of the bulk of that. Also, your calves as well. But basically, your knees are going to be crazy loaded throughout this entire process of training, uh, getting on the court, practice, and throughout the season. But you got to make sure we take care of the back of the leg as well, so the hamstrings, the glutes, uh, things like that. This is pretty uh, – I keep it pretty fundamental on my end, so – Something as simple as incorporating more Romanian deadlifts, so RDOs, uh, hip bench hip thrusts are one of my favorite exercises. You can load it up with a dumbbell. You can use bands. Shout out to In the Lab. If you need to cop bands, go cop some bands from the store. I'll link that in my description. Um, I'll even go trap bar deadlifts. Uh, we might just kind of change up the actual position. That way it's more of a hinge, but you get the idea. We want to make sure we get the back of the leg. Um, I like to do a lot of mini band work as well, just for part of our warmups. Uh, a lot of my players will notice immediately throughout the warmup that I do a lot of hip strengthening, a lot of uh, more glute activation, and they'll say, "Hey, like I've never felt, <laughs> I've never felt my glutes turn on like this before," and that's because they've never really done that before. So again, number two, keeping it super sim simple and fundamental, start to train the posterior side, include more bench hip thrusts, include more. Um, RDLs, include more uh, exercise that just include the back of the leg. Squats can only take you so far, but you got to make sure we start taking care of the backside of the entire leg. And point number three, the la very last point, we have to make sure, one, again, we're keeping the load very high, but we have to go at a slow rate. So what this means is through strength training, yes, we can keep heavier weights, but we got to make sure that we're keeping the rate, the actual speed, the velocity. We got to keep that low. So, for instance, this can be like a dumbbell goblet squat. All right. Um, but for me personally, I really like to take it way slower. So I'll go eccentric squats. So, for instance, I'll go two down, one up. I'll go eccentric, uh, just goblet squats. So anything on the eccentric side, so the lengthening phase. So whenever I'm going to squat, when I go down, I'm going down on a five second count. So one, two, three, four, five. When I get to the bottom, I'm coming back up and then rinse and repeat. Isometrics are king. I can't express how many times I told players this, but ISOs are amazing. And I think they're very beneficial in anybody, for any athlete, uh, especially for those that are younger, because one, it's an easy way to get stronger. Two, ISOs are great for joint health um especially for jumpers knee and then three they don't require any weight so you don't need much equipment to do this so for instance an isometric hold is a wall sit or it is a uh let's just say a split squat where we're just sitting in that bottom position and holding um there are different ways to do isometrics but basically we're just holding that position for x amount of time uh one this is great because as you begin to get better, you can easily add loads. You can easily grab a backpack full of books. You can grab a dumbbell in front of you. You can have a barbell if you're more experienced, but you can have high load, but the speed is non-existent. That's because the speed is zero because we're not moving. So these, this is great, especially for those uh, dealing with jumpers knee. ISOs, I always recommend starting with a ISO goblet squat. So we're just uh, grabbing a dumbbell in front of us and we're just sitting down and holding for time. As you get better, then you can progress to single leg or split stance. 
but there's easy ways to progress this. Um, and again, doesn't really require weight. All you need is just your body weight. You need a stopwatch or your phone if you're listening to this. And we just got to hold for time. Super simple to implement. And research has actually been done on this where it suggests that going five sets of isometric, so they use Spanish squats, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they did five sets of 45 seconds. Um, and they implemented that two times per day. And throughout the week, they were actually able to get rid of knee pain. And this is a decent sample size as well. It wasn't like two or three actual athletes. Uh, I had to get the study again and link it, but I believe it was over, I believe it was over 50 athletes. So the sample size wasn't bad. Um, and again, this is research over the years that has also um, suggested and also kind of like basically like basically <laughs> ISOs are great for your knee health. Let's just say that. So again, kind of running through those last three points, we have to stop slash decrease activities that are causing us pain. This means if you're hoping, if your skills training, we got to cut back on that for sure. Two, train posteriorly, start to take care of the hamstrings, start to take care of the glutes. Got to make sure we're getting both sides of the actual leg. And then three, start to implement more eccentric, higher loads with slower uh, speeds. This is eccentric squats. This is also isometric holds. Very simple to do. Um, and for those, again, that have not already tapped in, you can easily find all this information as well as exercises that correspond with this in my Jumpers Knee program. Again, I'll put the link in there. Three months worth of exercises. You have three workouts throughout the week, all different. If you don't have the equipment, I will sub some stuff in for you. That way you can still do the program. Um, and again, you can keep this for life. It's yours, right? I'll include the link. Why not tap in, especially if you've listened to this entire 20 minute episode? Why wouldn't you tap in? All right, guys, thank you so much for tapping into this uh, latest episode. I know I need to get a little bit more consistent with this, but again, doing some great things within the lab. Again, I'll include the link in the bio so you can go through the shop, uh, get some bands if you need to. Also, Jumpers New Program is in there. And for those that are interested in getting their topics put on the podcast, go ahead and start to submit these ideas to me. I'll start asking more on my Instagram uh, in different ways. Uh, just saying, hey, like I'm doing more q and I'm doing more topics. Shoot those over to me, guys. I really want to turn this into a more of a community podcast versus me coming up with the ideas. Why don't you guys just send me the topics and I talk about it. Um, so again, going to do that on Instagram. Again, I appreciate you for tapping in. Let's go build. Thank you for listening to the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I really hope you all got major value from today's episode. Please leave a rating and review of the show and don't forget to tune in to the next episode.